You are listening to the Photo Bomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Photo Bomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Hello, Boo Ray. This would be the uh, holiday edition, I guess. The Christmas edition the holiday edition of the, of the, the, of the holiday. podcast it's uh, just a couple of days after christmas yes and i am fucking over it you're over it already <laughs> is it because uh, the baby there's a first first year with the baby at christmas things are kind of crazy no it was awesome it really was awesome we had so many cool presents and so much cool time with family it was great but once you know you have kids and the family gets bigger if you have all these christmas traditions that you do all this stuff for for the holidays it's been going on for like two weeks solid right it's like we go to this and see the lights here and then we go to disney and do this and then we do this and then we do this and it's christmas music 24 7 everywhere in the house in the car and then it's by now it's the day it's two days after christmas right and yeah it's two days after christmas now and uh i'm like Okay. 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 See, I'm not really, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm over a little bit of that, but I like uh, Christmas because it's really the only time that I, I don't work. I mean, sometimes I do. Have you really not been working? I, I mean, yeah, I've had like four days. This is like day four where I have, not, I have done no work. And I haven't worried about my email, and I've just because you know it's Christmas weekend. Nobody anymore. expects you to call back or answer an yeah, email. This exactly. Yeah, so it's no. really the only time where I can truly disconnect, and then I still have to do all the family. Stuff. I can dig that. Do you put an autoresponder on your email? No, no, no. I still check it every day just to look to make sure there isn't something in there like you know someone you know because you get an email that says hey we're getting married and we, and we want to meet with you. Well, you want to get back on that, but you know just I check it like just the subject lines and okay nothing there that's really important. Nothing I can't wait until you know Monday or Tuesday. I'm. I'm definitely not working, but I'm not relaxing. Yeah, see, I'm trying very hard to relax. I was relaxing until today when we had to do this. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I interrupted your relaxation. So, hey, uh, the funny thing happened on my way here today, right? So we had a bunch of family over the house. And the house is just crowded with people. I'm like, all right, peace out, guys. I got to go do this thing. They're like, where are you going? I was like, you got to go to work. I go, kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's not really work because I don't get paid. <laughs> I don't make any money. And uh, it actually cost me money. Yeah, it actually cost me money to do this. But, yeah. Um, so um, I was getting off uh, I-75 and coming around to your neighborhood. And I noticed, have you seen the, the turtle truck? That's obvious. Yeah, the turtle truck. This man. thing is on the side of the road with the giant turtle on top. Yeah, and then it says uh, on the side it says "live turtles." Yeah, as opposed to the dead turtle. But guy. the word "live" is in quotation yeah. marks. <laughs> <laughs> live turtles. Man, live. Live. It, it, it would be funny if it was a question mark yeah. rather than like live, live turtles. <laughs> Come in and find out. <laughs> what is what is that about? Like, well, I don't know, but you know, because when I was a kid, we had uh, the little tray with the plastic palm tree and the little baby turtle and then it became illegal for many many years it was illegal you i believe you still you have to sign them. something yeah. when you get one yeah and then it became unillegal like i don't know five or seven years or something i don't know when it became unillegal but for a longest time you couldn't get a, a turtle and now you can by unillegal do you mean legal yeah i guess so okay <laughs> Just double checking. I, I, I just <laughs> haven't heard that word before. <laughs> there was ever the time I was calling a football game, a friend of mine's football, his kid's peewee game, and they asked me to be the announcer in the booth. Great and, idea. And I said that the kid was tackled on the 53rd yard line. <laughs> <laughs> and I could see the people down front laughing. And it, and it dawned on me. So I'm like, I'm on a, uh, that's a three yard drive for, you know, on the big speakers, you know. And so then I had to go back on and go, I've just been informed there's no such thing as a 53 yard line. <laughs> You know, Thank you, Mom, for that yeah, text. Yeah. yeah. And then I reached over and saw Gary Glitter's 
um, Rock and Roll Part 2 on CD. I love Gary. Belonged to somebody else. Yeah. And so I snapped it in half and threw it away. Because no one should ever play it or hum it on a podcast. I used to... You know why? Why? You don't know this? No. This drives me nuts. What, did Gary Glitter murder someone? No. No, he's in jail in Great Britain for child pornography. Is he really? Yes. The guy who did- the guy who wrote and performed Rock and Roll Part Two. Banana. Hey, banana. Yes. Which is why several years ago the NFL owners got together and banned it from their stadiums. You just boo-rayed Gary Glitter. Uh huh. <laughs> and you know what? I got a disc jockey I work with all the time, and he plays that song at every bar mitzvah. And I've told him repeatedly, dude, would it's you so please... It's so awkward to play that at a bar you, mitzvah. <laughs> can't you just find another song? He's like, but it's so great for getting the people pumped up for the introductions. I'm like, really? In 100 Years of Music, you can't find another song? You have to play the one that puts money in the pocket of the child pornographer? I'm pretty sure there's another song. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can come up yeah. with another one. Every every time it's Everything Black Eyed Peas has ever made <laughs> can replace that song. Yeah, every time you play Gary Glitter, uh, uh, it goes into the Gary yeah. Glitter... Uh, well, it just it's Defense just, fund. It yeah. just perpetuates the success of the song, which makes other people buy it on iTunes for when they become DJs or whatever. And the song just needs to die. Okay. It needs to go away. Let's not be playing any rock and roll part two by Gary. You heard Glitter. it here first. I mean, well, the thing is, I was actually. For those like of a, you actually know what the hell that song yeah, is. This was a thing for me before the NFL uh, coaches, and before they banned it. I was, I was preaching this back in the 90s. And then finally, somebody in the NFL got a hold of, found, got the hold of the story and said, Hmm, maybe we shouldn't be playing that at the stadiums anymore. Yeah, and they actually not. banned it. They won't play it in the NFL stadiums. Is it is it weird or funny or coincidental or ironic, whichever word you want to choose, that the unillegal? guy... Unillegal? <laughs> that the guy in jail for child pornography is Gary Glitter. Gary Glitter. <laughs> like, would you would leave be your, like, your children in the care yeah, of Gary Glitter? It would be like the name of a boy fairy in a, in a Disney film, <laughs> Gary Glitter. Yeah, no thanks. So um, we will no longer be humming that on no, this podcast. <laughs> and in depressing news. In depre- oh, there's more? There is depressing news. Okay. Um, and I thought this might be a good question. It's kind of photography related. Um, in the spirit of the holiday, let's talk about the most depressing thing you've ever had happen. When you were at a wedding. The most depressing thing I've ever had? The most depressing thing you've ever had. Do you really want this story? I'm going to go first. Okay, I'm going to win, but go ahead. Okay. So I shoot a wedding a couple weeks ago, and I had been told that uh, there was going to be a problem with Dad. Mom and Dad are divorced, and uh, Dad didn't want to walk her down the aisle if Mom was also going to walk her down the aisle. I hate crap like that. And then it was Dad didn't want to be in any pictures that Mom was in. Good for him. Screw yeah. her. Yeah. Just kidding. And so um, then they finally said to me, we don't know if uh, he's going to even be here. <clears throat> so I'm sitting out there. It's a, out, in the, out in the field, and we're sitting there. I'm sitting there. You know, People are coming up, re- getting ready for the nuptials. And I'm taking pictures of people walking up. I see a guy walking up. He's got a boutonniere on. He's got a woman with him. I'm like, oh, boutonniere. Ding. You know, must be somebody in the family important. I put my lens on him. He blocks his face. When he walks by me, he says, no pictures of me. Was it Johnny Depp? I don't know who it was, but he didn't want any <laughs> pictures of him. And I'm like, oh, this must be the dad. Oh, geez. So he stands in the back. He doesn't walk his daughter down the aisle. He stands in the back. Dick and then when move, it's over, bro. getting better, I go to do the, the groups. So we're kind of back a ways from, from where the whole thing had took place. We're uh, up a hill, and that's where, you know, where everybody gathers immediately after. And, and we're waiting for the people to leave so then I can go back down the hill and start doing the groups. Because you want to give the folks who are at the wedding a chance to get the hell away or else they're going to bug the crap out of you while you're trying to do the groups. Absolutely. So I'm standing there talking to her, and she sees her dad down there starting to walk away. And so I stand there. It was like a Hallmark movie. I stand there. She runs down the hill, holding up the dress. Run, 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 run. I see her. She runs down the hill. She stops her dad. She talks for a few minutes. She turns, and she runs back up the hill. Okay, 
He's not going to be in any pictures. What's next? She looks at me. I wanted to cry. That sucks. Right? I, I mean, I watched this happen like in slow motion, and I'm... How can you? What a dick! How can you tell your? How can you not walk over here and get in a picture? Like what? How bad has it got to be for you to not even just be able to just rise to the occasion, stand for a couple photos, and then yeah, like, like, I mean it's and for for your daughter, for your grandchildren, for your great grandchildren. Uh, what a dick! You know, I mean, I was just wow and. Apparently, Father of the Year award. Apparently, like she was the last one who was holding out any hope because anyone else who in, who was there who was watching it, there were many who were like, okay, they were like, you know, you know they, everyone else has pretty much just written him off already. Sorry, honey, your father's a terrible. Person. Yeah, you know, yeah. but it was all it was just awful to see. Oh my! I was, you know, I was just like, oh my, that's just, you know, what. What the hell, dude? We could probably do a podcast just on wedding war stories. You know? Yeah. But I've, even when the parents don't get along, I find that it, they'll mostly, almost always, at least stand civilly sure. on opposite sides of the sure. family group for one photo together sure. or something. Very rarely will you have them. They hate each other so much they won't even stand near each other. And if they, and if that's okay, I'll put you separate, separate ends of the line. No, or separate photos. Or, or separate really photos. Want. I'll just do you with it, and I'll do, you know, Even whatever. then, that's kind of dickish. Don't you uh, want yeah, a picture but, with your... Ah, yeah. But I was just like, wow, you know, and, and, you, and you walk away from it going, you know, I, I have my bad days, but I'm just glad I'm not you. Because, you know, what kind of what what head have you got? Yeah, as much as I complain sometimes about having problems with my family and driving each other crazy about stuff, like, we don't have anything like that. We'll all talk to each other. Right. You know, we'll all stand in a photo yeah. and behave ourselves. That's just awful. It's a wedding. And that's the most, that's the de- most depressing thing that's ever happened uh, at a wedding? Yeah, I've never had anybody not show up. Uh, you I, know, I've, uh, never, I've never had that happen. I, I might... I might, I might have you beat. All right. All have right. I told you the story before? I, I don't know. Right. It doesn't matter. It's a podcast. One time, you haven't told uh, them. I was at a wedding. I was 15, and I was assisting my parents, or I was shooting with my dad, and because uh, you know my parents are both wedding photographers. Right. And um, so we're at the reception. We're at this golf and country club, this place we worked all the time. And so I'm standing there, and it's the it's the really super long part of the reception where it's just a lot of just people drinking and dancing. It's after all the dances and stuff, and now it's just dancing and drinking. And so as a wedding photographer assistant, this is the part where you stand around for three hours and yeah. hate your life. It's yeah. one of the reasons I, I don't like having assistants is because I feel so bad for them standing around. Right. And, you know, at that point, if I'm the main shooter, if I have an assistant, I send them home at that point. Right. But, you know, because there's nothing else that I need them for. But so I was 15, I was an assistant, and I'm watching. And all of a sudden, you know, you see this little hole part in the middle of the dance floor. And, like, this woman, this uh, probably 50-something, you know, tall, blonde woman who's um, staggers off the dance floor, leans on a chair, and falls over. Bam! Hits the ground. Ow! And um, all of a sudden, it was a live band, not a DJ. So they literally like, like stop right. playing the music. And so, long story short, like, people try, like, CPR, oh. call 911. Paramedics come, put her on a cart, take the body. Oh. She died right there on the floor. It was the bride's aunt oh died oh. right on the, it's worse if you're related awful. to him yeah okay <laughs> now here's where it gets even worse <laughs> he said laughing <laughs> i know it's it's you know it, this is 20 years ago so it's sort of like i can look back on the irony of it it's very sad that the bride lost her aunt but you might not feel so sad for her after i tell you what happened next so she she and the, the groom they go up to the microphone and stand with the band and then she gets up there and she says um so um 
um, Aunt Sally would have hated to think that she um, ruined our, our wedding. She would really not want that. So we're just going to go ahead and keep partying. And then let's go, guys. Hit, hit it. And then the band starts playing and everybody just keeps on dancing like nothing happened. But it was like. I don't know how I feel about that. It was the most awkward because people yeah. are dancing, like looking at each okay. other like, is, is this okay? This- like. Oh, well, let's just well, get hammered. Like, yeah. here's one for Aunt Sally. Yeah. You know? You stop dancing, the terrorists win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the most uh, depressing wow. thing I've ever seen. Happen. And the party kept going. Yes, and they, uh, yeah, they because they wouldn't want and Sally wouldn't would hate it. Yeah, they I think we call money. it. I think it's okay to call it. You know, I think it's like you know what, everybody just just talk. But would you regret it. that down the road? Yes, no, I would not regret it. Like twenty years later, you and Bobby sitting on the couch going, yeah, you know, we never really got to have a wedding reception because my aunt kicked the bucket. I wouldn't. Reg- I would. Yeah, I, w- I would not regret it as much as I would feel weird about continuing to have my wedding reception when my aunt kicked the bucket. I don't know. That's a tough call for me because you wouldn't feel. You wouldn't feel. It wouldn't be a normal wedding reception for you. You wouldn't feel normal. I would have just had somebody pass out black armbands. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody dances everybody, with a black armband. <laughs> ties a napkin around their arm. <laughs> You know, like a black, so like black napkins around their arm. That is so messed up. Oh. <laughs> the tape across the boutonnieres like the badges with the yeah. cops. Ew, no, it's so uncomfortable. So what else is going on? Uh, well, I, uh, Do you I want to talk about tickets. what's coming up? Uh, we are going to talk about, oh, what's, oh, what is coming up? What's well, coming up? Imaging USA. Two weeks. We're yes. two weeks away. And I was thinking that our next podcast should be a, uh, a prelude to Imaging USA podcast. Yeah, where okay. we just really talk about Imaging USA. And what's coming up. And what's coming up. What and, we're looking and, forward and, to. Oh, yeah. Because because it's going to be the week before Imaging USA, and then the next one we will be at Imaging USA. We're gonna we're gonna record um, at Imaging USA and release the podcast episode while Imaging USA is still going on. Yes, so, this is, be so really it's going to cool. be almost live. Almost, it's going to be very yeah with the delay of a couple of hours. Yeah, it'll a couple be of hours. Yeah. And it's very because and I know you're probably lining up some great guests. For while we're there, I'm going to get us a couple of great okay. people, probably. Or, we're going to talk about this next week. Or I'll just get you know some people that you know work at the facility and be like, so what's it like to clean up after all these assholes? <laughs> so it's coming up. It's uh, January 10th would be uh, the start of Imaging USA. That's the Sunday. Unless yes. you're going to pre uh, to pre uh, pre convention, we'll both be there. Yeah, we'll both be there because we have to be there a day early. I have to teach uh, pre con on Saturday. That's right. You are teaching a all day or three two three, hour classes. Three, yeah, three. I think it's an hour and a half. Is it two? It's two hours. Oh maybe. crap! Three two-hour classes. So t- tell us about your class. Uh, well, it's it's called uh, uh, Fast Flash, working fast with Flash at weddings and etc. And it's basically uh, <laughs> sounds like a class Gary Glitter would teach. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> Fast Flash. And basically, it's going to be about because I work mostly alone, and it's going to be about okay. Here's how you can light a room. Here's how you light a group. Here's how you light an individual. Here's how you do a quick headshot. Here's how you work a bounce flash, and here's how you do it very very quickly. So basically, because you're under a time crunch. If you're into bread and butter combat photography and you need to learn how yes. to use a flash off camera or on camera yes. really really quickly right. to get good results yeah it's not going to be hell oh, here's how you take a portrait with two assistants holding reflectors and three lights and battery packs no it's going to be you've got one light one stand one 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 modifier maybe and here's what you can do with it if maybe you the, don't realize what you can do with it warrior yeah that's going to be cool yeah so that's going to be fun <clears throat> and uh we got uh, quite a few signups for that tons of door prizes to give away we'll talk about it next week okay and then uh that's uh, and then of course uh what else is coming up well south carolina oh my gosh february 20th uh yes. coming up it's going to be um at the south carolina photocon uh we are going to be doing each teaching classes separately yes you're going to be teaching a class on weddings i'm going to be teaching a class on headshots and then we will have a third bonus program yes. that is going to be you and me doing the very first ever 
Photobomb Live. Photobomb Live. Now, that's going to be great. Live audience. So if you're anywhere around South Carolina, please come to South Carolina uh, Photocon. And we're going to have some stuff to give away. Yes, we'll have prizes. And we'll have, you know, basically us doing this, but with a bunch of people watching. Yeah. I think we should really and just... questions from the audience. and Yeah, and we should pick people to embarrass. Maybe, yeah. Maybe play some icebreaker games, you know, like Trust Falls and stuff like no. that. No. No? No. <laughs> There's nothing in the world worse than when you go to work for a new company and they bring everybody synergy. in and they, have the, and they have the whole, you know, let's oh, we have to do the trust thing and we have to do the trust... <laughs> I'm like, no, can how, you just... How, what how day else? do you need me to show up and work? How else are we going to promote synergy? We don't need to promote that center. I, I, that is a, I hate that lame uh, what, human synergy? resources crap. Dude, let's put a pin in it. We'll circle okay. back. <laughs> Think outside the box about All how right. we can promote All synergy. Right, we will. We'll put a pin in it. <laughs> put a pin in it. Also, um, coming down, I want to talk about yeah. this a little bit today. Yeah. The home stretch. Of, yes. uh, of finishing my book. Yeah, I don't know that you're ever really going to finish the book. Uh, dude, I'm almost done. Because I'm, every time I talk to you, you're rewriting. Well, every time I go back, I find something I did that was really stupid. You know, right. like but and then I have to fix it. No, but uh, the cover design is uh, submitted and the title, and so I'm just waiting for final approval from the publisher and a little bit of tweaking on some of the editing and organizing the images into a way the publisher can understand, and then it's uh, it's off to publish. So you know, I love behind the scenes stuff. Give me an example of like have the, the something the publishers have said to you. Where they've said, you know, fix this, or or you, you, it needs to be more like this in order for it to be acceptable to the public. I mean, has there been anything like that where, you, where it's been a learning thing for you, where they've said stuff to you like, oh, well, for because I, you don't know, I don't know anything about publishing books, so they and they do, and um, uh, for educational text, a lot of it is they prefer formal language. Like, um, and no, um, uh, what do you call it when you put two words together with an apostrophe? Contractions. Contractions, thank you. So don't say, don't say can't, say right, cannot. Right, cannot, and stuff like you gotta that. you got to write, like, data. Yeah, and stuff's got to be in the, like, third-person omniscient rather than first-person. And I wrote the entire thing in first-person. Very Yeah, in, see, I don't like that. Very informally, yeah. I wrote it all in the first-person. And because I remember that when I first started shooting one of the first photography books I ever got was uh, Scott Kelby's Digital Photography Book. And it's a really cool, great book if you're just starting out in digital photography. And there's been like 17 versions of it now. But it's basically Scott Kelby writes the book as if... Like you're a friend of his, right? And you're going shooting together, and it's a really easy read, and it's not right. overly technical. Yeah, I like that, and I like that too. So I wrote the whole book, kind of because inspired by that style. And then they came back, and the first edit was they had corrected it all yeah. into into the more formal literary style. And so I had I went back, and and Harvey, my uh, editor, is awesome. He's doing a really good job working with me and the publisher, making sure that it's going to be an excellent book. The book. editor is always awesome. Let me just say that, that anytime anyone writes a book, they always talk about how awesome their editor is. And just once, I want someone to write a book and be like, my editor, what a pain in the ass. What a dick. No. What a dick. <laughs> but it's always like, my awesome editor. No, because, um, well, they basically do the work. You just give them a pile of crap, and they organize it into right. something legible. And so, um, you know, we worked it out to where the publisher was like, okay, you know, this is great. We're going to let you do it in the original style you intended. So, oh, so you did, like, oh, so you got to come around. Yeah, no, well, okay, well, that's cool. I, I suggested this is how I really want to do it. And they're like, okay, let's try it. So they're being really cool. Amherst is great to work with. So it was a really cool, it's been a cool process of coming. You know, what really is annoying is making lighting diagrams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then our friend, uh, Robert over at the, uh, Photo Facts podcast is, uh, has sent me that there's an iPad app for making lighting diagrams. Mm-hmm. Which I still haven't downloaded. I can't find my iPad. There's, there's an iPad. I think it's in everything. my trunk. I've mm-hmm. had an iPad pretty much since they came out, and I barely ever use it. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I've got. I, well, I I got a nice big phone, and so now I just use that for everything. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm going to do it on my phone. It's like, hey, you know what? I think that I'm, uh, I can't read the Huffington Post on my phone. I need it to be thirty percent larger. Let me well, I tell you, it was funny. You were talking about about them changing your language because uh, Professional Photographer Magazine did the same thing to me with the article that I have coming out in February, I believe, on bar mitzvahs. I wrote it like you write, where it was just like you know, hey, da 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 da, you know, like I'm talking to you, and then when it came back, it was all legalized. Yeah, you know, it wasn't written in that in that tone anymore. But I didn't stand my ground. I was just like, yeah, whatever. You got to stand your ground. I'm just saying it doesn't. When you read it, it doesn't read like me. It reads like you know every other article. Well, if you got a a monthly periodical that's like they have a consistent, yeah, they want a consistent style. But if you have a company who's publishing books and each one's by a different author, they can vary styles between the books. But they do have a house style, right? And for these types of books, and so they've been really gracious working with me on that. So I'm pretty cool. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully I'm planning on having everything completely done and into them uh, this week, and hopefully pre-sales will start in January. So Was it cool. a conscious decision on your part uh, to become a headshot guy? And by that I mean you found this niche, you found that you were making great money doing corporate work, doing these headshots, you know, all these conventions that come to Orlando, and you're like, wow, this is a great way to make money. So you start doing this a lot, and you're enjoying it, and you know, because you're not the type of guy who just goes, oh, I got this down, and you're, you're tweaking it. You're like, well, oh, I can I do this a little better? I can I do this a little better? So you're doing all this. Was there a constant decision on your part at some point where you said, this could be my thing when it comes to writing books or speaking. I could be known for this and I should go down that road. It was sort of accidental, believe it or not. Um, we had started photo- a photography business, Julie and I, and um, we didn't really know what we were going to do, what type of photography. And we looked at like doing high end portrait photography, and right. we looked at just and we looked at shooting weddings and all this different stuff. And as it turned out, like I didn't want to be a primarily a wedding photographer because the photographer that I was working for at the time was primarily a wedding photographer, and I didn't want to have that conflict with them. I didn't want to start a conflicting business, so we were kind of looking for something else. And as it turns out, Julie's got this great friend, Lysandra, who is a um, who is an actress or was at the time. I don't know if she does that stuff anymore, but um, and also a great photographer herself. But she needed headshots done because she needed new headshots for her agent, and so um, she asked Julie to do them. And Julie actually shot him. I didn't shoot him. And then um, the agent liked the headshots. And then we had a meeting with the agent, and then the agent said, well, why don't you do headshots for a couple of my people, and then we'll right. see. And then they started referring work, and then other agencies started referring work, and it just sort of snowballed that way, and mostly entertainment. But and- I understand falling into that. But what I'm talking about is more of the speaking and writing books things. Because like me, I had this problem when people would come and say, hey, would you like to come speak or write an article? And I'm like, I don't think I have anything to say that hasn't already been said so many times before. And, you know, like when I was trying to come up with my first program for imaging, and so I tried to come up, what what, what do I have? What twist can I put? What, what can I bring to the table? And that, like for me, you know, I was actively looking for something that I could do or talk about or teach that not everybody could I think your twist is that you're the volume at which right you and so and that's how that came about is that's why I'm teaching I, I teach a lot of fast flash and off camera lighting because I realize okay that's one little niche that not a, that only a small percentage of photographers do what I do which is you have 15 minutes to get 50 shots I had to develop you know, a speaking. but it was conscious on my part where I said where I said that's something I can I can tap into and use as a as a as a calling card and I wonder was it the same thing with you with the no, headshots I had an IT background like you and I have talked about how right. you're being known for the job you used to have like every Everybody wants right. you to talk and do stuff because you're great on a microphone and you're great with you can just talk and, and MC stuff and people are always asking you to do stuff like that. I used to be in IT. Right. You were always asked to do and stuff so, on websites. And, and so, stuff. yeah. And so I was teaching for the first three or four years, I was teaching 
only on social media um, and uh, search engine optimization. I did a creative live class on SEO for uh, photographers and stuff. And then at, some, at a certain point, I was starting to get teaching requests, and I just told people, I was like, I'm not teaching that anymore. And I'm not gonna. I don't want to teach that anymore. And then, and I keep getting asked still sometimes. And I go, I, this is the class I teach. I'm teaching how to do professional headshots, and the business of professional headshots, and that's what I teach. And um, and nobody would want me to talk about it, right? <laughs> right? Because they're like, who cares? That's a thing that everybody does. And like, I'm so specialized in it in my right. area, and it's such a good business that it's just starting to where the photography associations are seeing that it's a good standalone. So you thing. felt, you felt that you did have this thing that not everyone knew about that. You were really, you, you know, like with me when I, when like I'm writing an article, like the article I wrote on bar mitzvahs, I, I stay in a room full of photographers all the time and there's no one in that room has ever shot a bar mitzvah, but me, nobody talks about bar mitzvahs. Yeah. And, but it's and I'm like, business. I should just need bar mitzvahs. I do weddings and it's, I make more money. It's great business. It's if you great can get business. It. Yeah. yeah. And the same thing with what you do. Right. Great yeah. business. But it's, it took a little while for the, associations that where photographers go and teach to catch up. The first person that ever took a shot on me on my headshots course was Arlene Evans at Creative Life. Like she goes, this is a great idea. Let's do this. And it was a really successful class for them because a lot of people are getting these inquiries and want to know how to do it better. And so that's sort of after that, when 15,000 people watch something and download it or whatever it is like, and people are into it, then other people go, Oh yeah. Right. So I started to get requests for my headshot program after that. And now you got, cause now you've got some, some oomph behind you. Right. Yeah. Because you, somebody you've else proven that it works, somebody has to take the chance on you. And it's like right. whenever you want to teach or whenever you're starting your photography business, you have to find somebody that will take the chance and hire you without a portfolio. Right. You know, and they go, this person isn't proven, but so whether you do it for less money or whether they, whatever it is, somebody has got to take a chance on you. And there's that sort of, I believe that there's like two tipping points in when you start your photography business. The first one is when you get your first paid client. And the first time you get a good paycheck from shooting and you feel like, I can do this. Like okay. This can actually be a career. And that's a really, really good feeling. Then you go through a whole bunch of other shit where you realize how hard it's actually going to be to run a photography right. business. And then there's the tipping point where your business will get to the point where you stop worrying about stuff like paying your bills day to day like you've got your business is running you're able to pay yourself consistently every week and then you look back and you go holy shit i've actually got a real good working business and everything right. you know and there's that tipping point where you go from struggling and hustling all the time to get work and the tipping point is when you've built enough of a reputation in the community you've done enough work you get enough word of mouth referrals your marketing is coming back to you where your business is actually rolling on its own momentum right. Um, for a little bit. And that is the tipping point number two for me. And that is sort of how my speaking thing has worked out is I just had to speak a lot for free. I had to travel out of state to speak for 20 people for a hundred bucks. And I did that for a long, long time. I think that tipping point also, I remember when I first started and you would go and see people speaking or you would read articles in professional photographer magazine and they would say, I quit taking this kind of work or I decided that I didn't want to shoot this kind of work and I would think what what do you mean how do you just how can you just turn away work and that's a tipping point when you reach a, a point in your in your 100%. photography career where suddenly you realize you know what I don't want to take pictures of babies. And so yeah. if someone calls me with a baby job, I'm just going to turn it away. I do that with certain types of work. I I refer stuff off right. to other photographers, that's their specialty. I don't necessarily believe that when you're starting your business, the best thing is to specialize right away. Um, you have to kind of figure out what your thing is. Right. 
It's like college, right? Yeah, yeah. You can yeah it's like college. You, you know, I, mean, doing something. I had a professor in college who was a friend of mine, our families, and he said, "Put you know, he's biology. He said, put down biology as your major. I'll be your advisor." He said, and for the first couple of first first year, I'll let you take whatever you want while you figure out what it is you want to do. Now you just got to declare something. Yeah, yeah. but you got to declare something, and I'll be your advisor, and that, and, you, and I'll give you free reign. Well, it's uh, the the photography thing. I think a lot of a lot of people tend to get specialized after they've been in business a little while. Although some people start off going, I'm going to be the baby photographer and that's all I'm going to do. Right. Sometimes it takes a little while to figure stuff out. And it, it took, it's, we're, our, our business is still evolving. I don't know about yours, but I'm always looking for the next like, oh, thing yeah. that's going to bring good oh, income. Yeah. You know, if it was, if it became, I'd be happy to be the bar mitzvah guy. No sure. problem if that was what my business was going to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. I don't really. I think maybe, you know, having talked to Tim Kelly the last couple of episodes where he's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> you do have to at some point go, this is what I'm going to do. But you also have to have enough of a business going to where you're not financially having to take every job yeah. that comes your way. And that's you see that. I, I know you meet the people, the photographers, and I'm struggling. And they're like, you know, I'm struggling. I'm not getting the, the business. And you say, well, what are you doing? Well, I specialize in only doing biracial weddings on Thursdays <laughs> in sepia tone. <laughs> and I'm not getting, I'm not, just not getting the volume that I was hoping for. It's fine to specialize, but there has to be a market for your specialization. Yeah, there has to if be you're going to go to a town where, you know, you're going to specialize in uh, South Asian and Indian weddings, and there are no Indians yeah, in your neighborhood, exactly. you know, you're not going to have a successful business. That's, That's one of the true. reasons I don't teach bar mitzvah photography when I travel is because not every town has a good Jewish population right. that you can get the business. You have to have a strong Jewish community yeah. because that's very insider baseball, oh, too. It's so. referral. Once yeah, you get it's going, all referrals. Yeah, yeah it's once you get going, so. you're the guy that everybody uses. You know? But I would like to be able to do that with certain things. Like I, like I have said it, and I'll, I'll put it out there right now so, so when it happens, people won't think I stole it from somebody else. When it gets to the point where I just don't want to do weddings anymore, when I'm just to the point where it's killing me and I'm going to keep doing the beach weddings because they're quick, but the only way I'm going to, you know, you get to that point where the only way I'm going to do the regular big seven-hour weddings is if somebody wants to pay me a buttload of money or something yeah, like that. Yeah, start at 8000 yeah. bucks or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to raise my rate, but the other thing I want to do is I would like to be a guy who only shoots in black and white. Really? I would like to, I would like to be, that's it. Well, you want to book a wedding with me? I'm a black and white wedding photographer. That's all I shoot in is black and white. Absolutely. But <laughs> the problem is with digital is that you capture in color. I wouldn't. You would just I would set my camera to monochrome. Camera to monochrome huh? That's right. It only is in black and white. It's going to stay in black and white and it's never going to be in color. I may get one. I'm, I may never get a wedding, but it would be so much fun artistically. When you did get one. Yeah. It would be so much fun artistically <laughs> to shoot a whole wedding in black and white. I, I love black and white. I've known a couple of photographers that you will, will actually bring on another photographer to shoot in black and white. Right. Or black and white film, and they'll shoot the regular wedding as digital, and we'll have a third person shooting black and white film, which is pretty cool. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, as long as you can make money, you can specialize however you want. But that has to be a market for it. And in Orlando, where we live, the headshot thing developed from there being an entertainment market. Right now, that being said, because of tax incentives and government politics and blah blah blah, the entertainment industry has li- has largely shifted away from Florida. Like Georgia is huge in entertainment right now. Atlanta's like the Hollywood of the Southeast. Because I'm sure tax breaks. Like two hundred. Whatever million town gives you huge yeah. tax breaks. Yeah. Because like, uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. They're making yeah. movies in Shreveport. Absolutely. They'll, Hollywood will go and make movies anywhere. Where it's cheap. Wherever Vancouver they can. was huge for the longest time. Every every city on TV looked like Vancouver. Like I back in the day when everything on the WB or the CW, Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill and all that stuff, everything was filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina. Because they had, that, you know, it was by the beach. The weather was moderate, and North Carolina had great tax incentives, and they right. set up a whole thing there. Atlanta is setting up all these production facilities and becoming this huge mecca for film and television. And Florida isn't anymore. There are a couple things still made, like Bloodline, which is on Netflix, that's made in Florida. But my actors have largely, um, they're still there. I still have a, a good, steady stream of actors and people in entertainment, but 
the um the I can't run an entire business off of actors headshots anymore. Okay. So that's where the business headshot thing has come in because headshots just sort of become when you have a section for headshots on your website and you're SEO'd for headshots and people see that you do headshots and then it just sort of snowballed into this thing where we have a specific section on our website for headshots, which a lot of photographers don't have. Headshots have always been a thing that if you're a wedding and portrait photographer, you just happen to also do headshots. And right. if somebody calls, but to have a whole section on your website for it, and I had some business headshots on there, and it's just been search engine optimization and all those people calling and emailing for business headshots. And then it's come to referrals, and it's just bloomed and bloomed and bloomed. And there's, I'm telling you what, getting into the professional uh, world right now the economy has recovered to a certain point and like companies are spending a lot of money maybe people individuals families aren't spending as much as they were in like 2004 2005 but people are companies are spending companies, money you think companies have finally come around to the idea that that is a contest online to have a good looking professional website and good looking professional because for the longest time it was get uh, Jimmy and IT to design a website yes. for us. Oh, yeah. And you think they finally have come along to the side that. Driving by crappy billboards with crappy headshots on. Yeah. Have you seen those? Yeah, because, oh. Well, because also in Optivision and with everyone having a phone now, I think that I think they're finally starting to come around to the idea that your, your online portrait is your first impression. And if you don't have a good one, you know that's a bad first impression we there there, there are certain uh professions that have like just un, ubiquitously terrible headshots like real estate agents almost always yes. have awful headshots well because they get some guy who comes by the office and does them for 10 bucks a head right you know and so um <laughs> we always make fun of them and julie and i have joked about driving by and you see a billboard or a bus bench when you know with terrible real estate headshot on it's like i'm just gonna call that guy i'm saying i'm gonna come to your office yes. and i'm just gonna do a headshot for you please can i, I just please. i'm just tired of looking at it but um our realtor Jeannie clark who with old town realty who sold us our house also um paid us to do headshots for her and so she came in the studio we did headshots and she sent us one of those little magnetic real estate calendars yeah, which right. also got her headshot on it and it's a great headshot i did sure just really simple on white just professional headshot i'm like you know what she's got to be the only realtor in central florida well, that has a good is, headshot because value they don't the hire money. me they don't hire me i don't work for realtors you can argue all you want about you know oh well getting baby portraits or getting whatever kind of portraits you want that it's you know the value for the money is not good now, you people can make arguments about money and value all, all they want but getting a really good headshot for a couple hundred bucks, usually, maybe if you're, you know, depending on what, you know, who you're getting and how many people are getting it that day, because you can get it pretty cheap if you've got 10 people in your office that are willing to get it all at the same time. I don't know. Even, I'm talking about even some of the more expensive portrait photographers. Yeah, like I charge like a hundred bucks a head. In their area, the most expensive headshot in our area that's for like just a, a single look business portrait on a classic, whatever. Right. I mean, I think that I, I price out other photographers that I'm friendly with and we, is like 300 bucks. Right, and that would be the most, and that's that you expensive. Would pay. That would be on the high end, yeah. And yet the value is really there because this is something you will use for years, and it will be seen by so many people. Can right. you, and, and on Facebook, and on LinkedIn, and on Twitter, and on your website, and on your calling cards, and you know, I mean, you get so much value out of a headshot. And if I'm, I'm with you 100, percent it frustrates the crap out of me right. that people don't want to spend any money at all on that. They just, I just want to, you know, they're like, oh, I can get this guy for 50, or I can get this guy who's much better for 100. I'm going to save that 50 bucks. It is, you are not saving like, is 50 bucks. Is this the thing you want to skimp on? Yeah, like- for 50 bucks, <laughs> and we're talking literally. 50 bucks. We're not talking about hiring a $2,000 wedding Seriously, photography versus a $6,000 How much is 150 bucks? It's like going out to eat three less times this month. Went to breakfast this morning with my family and the friend who stayed over, it was $65 yep. with tip. 
So you, let's say you go out to breakfast. And that was just going out and getting some eggs in the morning on the spur of the moment. Right. That's exactly. nothing. Exactly. Okay, we didn't think twice about that. Hey, you want to play golf? Great. I'll spend 45 bucks playing golf. We've talked so about this. So to spend $100 on a headshot is so totally worth it. We've talked about this before about value for, for um, you know, like how much you pay for value. Yes. And where people will complain about paying $1.99 for, for an, an app. app. Like, I only got yes. 40 hours yes. worth of play out of the I'm, game. <laughs> that's my favorite thing. I only got 20 hours of, of play out of the game. You know, it was, so I didn't think it was worth it. It was 99 cents. It was a 99 cent app you douche yes. like you got people will pay twelve dollars for a movie ticket for two hours for, yes, worth of entertainment, for two hours but a dollar for 40 hours worth of entertainment. No, so it's like the money. 150 bucks for your business for your professional image and people will just they like the real realtors you use it for years realtors in general are really really bad about headshots yeah attorneys are usually better a lot of my clients are attorneys and accountants accountants and attorneys i use a lot of those i hardly shoot any realtors because they just like there's, I'm not. Hey, if you're a realtor out there, I'm sorry, but y'all are cheap. They are cheap they bastards. Are. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They are. I can't get a realtor to pay for a headshot. No. The only one was a lady who sold me my house, and that was no. it. They want they want you to come to the office, do the entire office for 150 bucks. Yeah, not gonna happen. So, I had somebody uh, email me uh, just uh, yesterday, getting married, want a photo booth for four hours, and uh, the most we can we, we most we can pay is 500 bucks. And I was like. I'm sorry, I'm not your guy, and I don't know anyone who is your guy. I don't know anyone you're going to find for 500 bucks to bring a photo booth to your... The, the, the person to run the photo booth and the supplies costs alone is going to run close to 200 bucks. Right. So 300 bucks, to, and the printer runs, you know, 800. <laughs> so do the math on how many, how many photo booths you would have to rent out at 500 bucks a pop just to break even on your equipment. Yeah, I, you know what it is? It's people don't understand value, especially outside their own industry, where someone looks at their job and they go, of course I deserve this because of right. all the... But then they look at somebody else's, like they don't know the photography industry, so I, like, had a, I don't um, understand it. You ever have, you ever have, a, you ever have a, a client from a wedding uh, ask you if... You were still going to be on the clock while you ate. <laughs> yeah, I got asked that one time. I, the mother of the bride, mother of the bride, said, "said Now, uh, you know, you, I charge by the hour." And she said, "Now, uh, when, you know, when you're eating, you know, you're still on the clock." And I looked at her and I said, "Well, I don't have to be on the clock." I said, "I'd, I'd be happy to go off the clock during that time. I'm going to leave the venue and drive to another location to eat if I go off the clock." Right. And she because if like, something happens, yeah. you're jumping up. And I'm just saying, if I'm off the clock. I'm off the clock. I can't tell you, you how know? many times I've had like, to like... She, I, said, I said, most people find that they would rather have me in the room choking down some chicken for about five minutes there uh, and just let me keep a stay on the clock. Yeah, you got to really be careful when choking your chicken. Yeah, I do. Especially <laughs> at a wedding. <laughs> choking your chicken at a wedding is not desirable. No, how many times have you been eating dinner at a wedding and to throw a napkin on the plate and dive and grab your camera and go Pretty much every wedding. Yeah, every single time. There's no... But we have... Here's one, here, boys and girls, here's something that uh, I would encourage you to add. If you're a wedding shooter... Add this word to your contract, consecutive. However yes. many hours you cover, all hours have to yeah. be consecutive, consecutive. Yeah. hours. So if, 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 they, if they decide to take a two-hour break in the middle of the day between yep. ceremony and reception, yep. that's fine. Yep. I'm still, it's not like I'm going to go still home, clock. get out of my right. suit, you know, and just put my feet up and watch Netflix and then go yeah. back, you know. It's like, still, but I tell you this, though, for bar mitzvahs, I don't do that. That's because it's a unique because that was it's a unique thing with bar mitzvahs. It's always you've got to be there at the at the temple at eight thirty in the morning and do two hours of shots before they do the service and the party's that night. Yeah, so you can't do that. There's no way. So you- I made a decision. You know, it was an executive decision. Okay, if I'm going to make this much money for the day, that's part that's the bar mitzvah world, and I'm just going to have to accept that. And so I did. That's you know. part of shooting bar mitzvahs. Yeah, that's part of shooting bar mitzvahs. But yes, I've had the weddings where they wanted to do that, especially here in the Bay Area, where they'll get married on one side of the bay and the receptions on the other side of the bay, and it's a forty five minute drive. 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm on the clock. Yeah. Because, you, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm on the clock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. So we got a few minutes left. You want to talk about uh, what you got for Christmas? You got anything fun? Uh, what did I get for Christmas? I got a new smartwatch because I'm a big fan of the smartwatch. You got a I Samsung? Got the new Pebble. No, I got the new Pebble. Oh, uh, the Pebble. I'm, the, I'm a huge fan of the Pebble. I, bought, I had the first Pebble, and then last year I had the Moto 360, which is an Android watch. And then this year I went back to the Pebble because the, um, the other watches out there uh, have got a couple things wrong with them. One... The battery's not going to last you all day. I've never had one of those smartwatches make it all the way through a wedding. And uh, two, you can't tell what time it is unless you touch the watch with your other hand. Like, right. like a 1970s digital. Right. And, <laughs> and it amazes me that people still go for that, whereas the Pebble watches use e-ink technology instead of a... So it's not a bright, beautiful screen, but it's always on. So you can look at your watch and see what time it Doesn't is. Doesn't like an a Apple watch, watch sense if you turn your they, wrist over? I, I don't know. I've never worked with an Apple, but I know with the Moto 360 that I don't know what the exact motion is that has to be to make that work on the Moto 360, but I could never get it to work reliably. Your arm just didn't bend the right I way. I would just pop it. I would try slow, <laughs> slow fast, whatever. whatever. Hey, the your, bottom your line, just came to life. Yeah, well, the pebble go. brightens up. The, yeah. the, the, the light, the backlight comes on. And does you, it? Yeah, you, you get it. text messages and stuff on. All it's that got too? voice, so I can reply. But it's every not voice. like that full color, beautiful. Yes, it's not like. Oh, but you know, it, but I realized I don't. I have a. I have a phone for that. What I really want is a device with a ten day battery life, so I don't have to carry a charger with me when I go on vacation. And it's always on, so every time you look at your wrist, you can see what time it is, and it notifies me every time I get a, a text message or I get a phone call, and I can actually hit it and reply. You hit emoji or, or ten day battery reply, life. It has a ten day battery. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. And they have the new one called the Pebble Round that's super like wafer thin, like uh, like those really thin swatches. Oh, yeah? And it only has like a two-day battery life because it's so thin. But it looks like a regular watch. It doesn't even look like a smartwatch. You know what I saw just came out with a smartwatch? I never thought I'd see it. Breitling. Breitling? Yes. They just came out it's with a smartwatch. It's the smart- future. Hey, I, like, th- these are companies that they do classic timepieces yeah, that are expensive like... Expensive stuff. Yeah, like, you know, you're gonna, are you going to see a Rolex smartwatch? Tag Heuer's coming out with one. Tag's coming out yeah. with one? Yeah. <sighs> That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. That's but crazy it, I tell me. you, you get a smartwatch and you turn off your phone ringer mm-hmm. and notifications... You will get so addicted to it, this no longer having the, you know, boop, your phone constantly chirping you, telling someone's texted you or someone's calling you or there's a message. You don't get that anymore. You just get a little buzz on your wrist. You're like, oh, okay. Oh, that's oh, whatever. And you go back to what you're doing, constantly not having to reach for your phone while you're watching TV or pull it out of your pocket when you're driving or anything like that. I got I love it. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day because um, I was in the Apple store and I'm looking at getting an Apple watch. I'm thinking about it. I may right. wait to see what else version comes out. You know, I don't normally buy the first thing as it comes out, but um, the uh, the Apple watch I was looking at was like the l- slightly larger screen. I think it was about 400, 450 bucks with whatever I was going to get, whatever configuration. And I'm thinking this watch like can text and you can do this and it does GPS. It does all these hundreds of cool things and there's all these apps and like whatever. And it also tells time. Right. <laughs> but um, so for 400 bucks, I get this like amazing piece of technology. There's all these amazing things. And there's a guy over here who's got a $5,000 Rolex that tells time. Right. Like, and you're just thinking, practically speaking, yes, it's made of gold or platinum. And yes, it's got this blah. And yes, it's got all this amazing stuff about it. But at the end of the day, it just tells time. Yes, but. But, but it's status symbol. It's jewelry. It is jewelry. And it holds its value. If you buy a Rolex, I'm kind of a watch guy. Like, I have an Omega Speedmaster. Ooh. And, and, that's a James Bond watch. Yeah, I have, I have, the, speed, I have the, the Apollo watch. Mm. And um, and they hold their value. They're a legacy piece. They're like diamonds. You know, you buy you buy an Omega Speedmaster. You pass it to your son. Who passes it? To, perfect example. Uh, the bar mitzvah I just shot two weeks ago. We go to the temple to do the pictures on Thursday, 
and uh, the grandmother had to give a present, was going to give a present to the son, uh, and uh, they wanted me to be there for it. <clears throat> so I'm there, and uh, his grandfather had passed away maybe six months ago, mm-hmm. and she gave him his grandfather's Rolex. This was his everyday watch. And, I mean, everybody just broke down. This was the Rolex he wore every day. And I have, my, my grandfather had an Omega, and I have it, you know. And, uh, and so there's a, there's a legacy thing to it. And something else about watches. Let me, let me Wait, but can you imagine, though, like when, uh, if, you know, if I have a son, and he ages up, and he's like 16, right, yeah, and I give him my, my Apple Watch. Here's my Apple Watch from when and I was 30. Point, yeah. Like, what the hell is this piece of shit? And that's the thing. When you think about it, like, this, <laughs> this watch is like 200 bucks, and then I bought the Moto 360 last year, which was 200 bucks, and that's just money flushed, whereas the money that I spent on the Omega, that watch will still be going and still be used for 50 years or 100 years. I can resell that watch for more than I paid for it eventually because it becomes vintage. And someone else said this, so people said, I don't understand expensive watches. And they said, it's like the only jewelry really that guys get. That's true. Unless you get to your Italian, you can wear that gold yeah, chain with a little horn on it. Yeah. Like that thing. It's like expensive silk ties and watches. That's it. That's all we get. About, Women get all kinds really of jewelry. really thick leather wristbands with the obnoxiously chunky watches yes. on them? <laughs> If you <laughs> pair that with an affliction T-shirt, right. and you're good to go, man. Yeah. And some jeans with bedazzled back there pockets, yeah. man. You know, have you? That's that's like the uh, the photography rock star dude speaker uniform. Yes, is bedazzled jeans, pointy yes. shoes, chunky leather wristband yes. watches. Yes, like. yes. I've been toying with the idea of going for the uh, Johnny Depp multiple lots of leather wristbands on the wrist. Look, I've got there's a pile of them right there on my desk. You can see. Well, from you here. and Johnny Depp are about but the I, same yes. age. So yeah, we are about the same age. <laughs> I'm younger than Brad Pitt, uh, yeah. but uh, I am. Brad Pitt's actually older than me by like six months. Uh, But I've actually thought about going for that look, and then I'm like, I'm not going to pull that off. And there's also something sad about the guy, the older guy who's dressed in like the hipster. Yeah, I'm not saying you got to dress in like, don't put your plaid pants and your, you know, Columbia sportswear shirt on. You don't don't have, there's not an old man uniform, but, you know, there is a classic, and then there is like trying too hard. Yeah. Like, it's like, if you want to advertise that your best years are behind you and you're not willing to accept it, go ahead and dress like that, because guess what, buddy? You know? Dress like that, go outside, get in your vet. Because have you ever seen a guy like that just walking down the street and there's a bunch of teenagers going, dude, that's one cool old guy right there. (laughs) Go, yeah. What was that I read the other day? I read, that, I read an article on 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 seniors and uh, on in a professional photographer magazine, and it was tips for shooting seniors. And one of them he really hit home with me. And the guy said, uh, and I wish I could remember his name. It's in the latest issue. And he said, "Don't try to be cool. They're never going to think you're cool. No, stop never. trying to be cool. Absolutely. Try, stop trying to be like buddy cool to the kid who you're shooting because he's not. He's you're not going to pull that off. You know. No. Instead, just." Talk to him like a like an adult and move, but don't try and be cool. Don't try and be friend buddy because he's not. No, he doesn't want to be your buddy. Never gonna think you're cool. He, yeah, he's seventeen. He does not want to be your buddy. <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't gonna start Snapchatting yeah, with each other. Exactly. Right? <laughs> that's exactly. That's exactly right. And I'm like, yeah, I think I've done that. I've tried that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. everybody's tried that. Well, we had the luxury. We did shoot seniors for a while, and then I was probably 25 when we started. Well, our then business. you're okay. You know, so I was pretty close in age, but still at the same time, 25 to an 18 year old is fucking ancient. Yes. Like, they're, you're totally out of touch with them. Yeah. And I remember, I think I even told this on this podcast before, I was shooting a high school senior, and I think I was 27 at the time. She's 18 years old, and we're in downtown Orlando, and Willem Dafoe drives by. Like, he stopped at a light, because we're right there on the street in the main drag through downtown. I think his mom lives in Orlando or something. He was just here, and it was Willem Dafoe in a car. Right. Right there, with a window down. Right. And then I go to, Julie was with me, I said, Julie, that's Willem Dafoe. And I'm thinking, like, Platoon and Boondock Saints, you know, and all of a sudden, like, the senior standing the goblin, next to me, the she, green she goes, oh, it's a green goblin! Yeah. <laughs> 
It's the Green Goblin. Like, that's how you know you're getting old. When Willem Dafoe is the Green the Goblin. Green Goblin. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the dividing line. Yeah. And then there's then when you don't know it's Willem Dafoe anymore. But anyway, so we're about out of time. Yes, let's wrap this thing up. Let's uh, wrap it up. Next week, we will be back with the, um, uh, the pre-convention... Um, show yes it'll be the imaging usa pre-convention yeah hour. we're gonna talk about imaging usa even if you're not going to imaging usa you should be listening to the show right because there will always be valuable information for you absolutely and no. we promise no there probably won't you can find us out online <laughs> you can find us online my website is burayperry.com gary is at hughesfioretti.com oh thank you you can find us on facebook you can find us on uh, of course if you're listening to this you know where to find us and by the way let me just interject this i went and looked at the statistics on the podcast which i never do you do i don't i went and looked the other day i was shocked at the lack of Android phone users. It's almost all Apple users. It's almost all Apple. And I think that the Android people out there don't, they think, they think that podcasts can only be listened to on iTunes or whatever. I don't know. And because no, Pocket Casts, it's a, it's an app. You download it. You can listen. I listen to everything. And in my car, I listen to everything. And it's amazing that no one, so no one out there with a, with a Galaxy phone or, or a Samsung phone is listening to us. They are, but I do think that the majority of people in the photography industry, they're still very Apple heavy. I mean, well, always, well, okay. always have been. I get that at their Apple heady, but I still just think, wow. I mean, it was. I mean, it was crazy. Like ninety percent to ten percent. We're not cool enough to be Android now. Apple is now the uncool thing. Oh, it is. Yeah, because when did that happen? Because every, when the iPhone came out and everybody's got an iPhone, and now oh. now you're cool and edgy if you're using a Samsung. Oh, Apple hey. is no longer cool. I'm cool and edgy. Now, I'm just an Apple sheep, baby. I'm gonna give me some leather wristbands. <laughs> All right, uh, that's it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What? How many wristbands are you going to get? Well, I've got, I don't know. I've got like five or six. How, you didn't even double that. Yeah, and then you got <laughs> and then you to have all the little strings sticking out too. You however, know? whatever, however many wristbands you go to leave the house wearing, stop and go put one double more that. on. Just double that. <laughs> double that number. <laughs> then you'll have enough. It's all right. So uh, enough. that's it for this week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Let's see you later. Mm-hmm.